Let's get started. We have two services on Sunday morning, the first of which is the Prophecy Update. And uh, second service is actually the sermon. And currently it's a verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of James. Uh, today we're going to look at what I'll call pre-rapture prepping. Pre-rapture prepping. Not what you're thinking. It's not physical prepping, <laughs> but related to the exhortations in James that speak to spiritual preparations, especially in these last days before the seven-year tribulation. By the way, spoiler alert, the prophecy update today is also about the rapture. Uh, just so happens to be my favorite thing to talk about, if you couldn't tell. So. Uh, now, we did have some problems uh, with our Facebook live stream. So uh, I don't know that we have Facebook. We don't, right? So sorry about that. Of course, you're not on Facebook, so you're not hearing that. So if you're on YouTube, we would encourage you to go directly to our website for the uncensored and uninterrupted entirety of today's update. So for today's update, I want to answer a question. And the question is this, just how close are we really <laughs> to the pre-tribulation rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ? Spent a lot of time this last week just really seeking the Lord about the update today. And it's my hope it's my prayer that what I share will be of great encouragement to believers, especially those who find themselves very discouraged, especially with everything that is happening in the world today. By the way, uh, I hope you know, for those of you that are discouraged, you're in very good company. There are many men and women, mightily used of God in the Scriptures, that were very discouraged, very downcast. But God was always there, always lifted them up, always provided for them, always strengthened them, always encouraged them. Please don't let the enemy lie to you, or try to convince you, or deceive you, to believe that because you're discouraged or downcast, that it's a sign of a lack of faith. Don't let the enemy do that. If you're discouraged, you're in good company. And this update is for you. If you're not I want to say this as lovingly and graciously as I can. This update's not for you. If you're at the top of your game, everything's going smashingly well. Well, you might want to just save the link and archive the video. <laughs> the Lord tarries. You'll, you'll need this one day. But I really do want to speak to those who find themselves discouraged and downcast. Because after all, isn't the rapture our not only blessed hope, but only hope, keyword hope? So I hope it'll be a, an encouragement to you. But I also hope and pray that it will serve as a warning to unbelievers an encouragement for believers, but a warning to unbelievers. I want to begin with two prophecies in the Bible that speak to this sudden event that we affectionately refer to as the rapture. And the first one, well known, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I'll begin reading in verse 13. By the way, this was the Apostle Paul's first letter 
that he wrote. And it's the first time that he mentions the gospel, as we're about to see. And it's in the context of the rapture, which is the gospel, the good news. So he writes verse 13, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's the gospel, the good news, even so through Jesus God will bring with Him those who have died. For this, verse 15, we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord Himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. This is their bodily resurrection. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Are you encouraged by this? I am. <laughs> I'll take it a step further and say, and I hope you don't tire of me saying this, but I truly do not know, and this is not hyperbole, I truly do not know what I would do were it not for this hope that I have, that at any time that trumpet is going to sound. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we who were alive at that time, which can be at any time, are going to be caught up, raptured up, to meet the Lord in the air. We're also going to see them again in the air. They get their new glorified bodies first, then we get our glorified bodies. That alone, by the way, is, <laughs> please, Lord Jesus, come quickly. <laughs> in fact, that's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52. He says, By the Spirit, behold, I tell you a mystery, we will not all sleep, speaking of death, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, not the blink of an eye, the twinkling of an eye. It is so fast. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we, who are alive and remain, will be metamorphosized, changed, transformed. We put off these bodies, these temporal bodies, these corruptible, corrupted fleshly bodies. We put them off and we are given our new glorified bodies in the twinkling of an eye. And then we are caught up with great force and great speed to meet the Lord in the air. This is the rapture of the church. And it has to happen before the seven year tribulation. I suppose this is as good of a time as any to mention that we have devoted an entire update to the proving of the pre-tribulation rapture. Let me say that again pre-tribulation rapture proof. It's not the pre-trib theory. It's even hard to say that. I'm sorry if I spit on you guys in the front row. We're getting the baptism started early, I guess, maybe. 
It is the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture. And we've provided, you can find it on the website, a link to this update, which will also have a downloadable 21-page PDF file of the notes, typology and transcript. I want to mention one thing before we move on. In 1 Thessalonians 4, which we just read, and also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which we just read, there's the sound of a trumpet. And Paul delineates it in his epistle to the Corinthians, and he says it's the last trumpet. Now to the Thessalonians, he says it's the trumpet call of God. Now why do I point that out, and why is that important? Because there are two trumpets. There's the first trumpet for Israel, and the last trumpet for the church. There's the trumpet of angels, that's for Israel, and there's the trumpet of God, that's for the church. Please, please, please make that distinction. Because if you kind of mess up and blur that line and don't make that distinction between Israel and the church, then no wonder. Especially if you're given over to this demonic doctrine, and that's biblical doctrines of demons, this demonic doctrine that teaches that the church has replaced Israel as God's elect, that God is through with the Jew. That's demonic. That's a doctrine of demons. <laughs> and, and, and if the church has replaced, it, it's even hard again to speak this. But if the church has replaced Israel as God's people, then no wonder you've got to put the church into the tribulation, because that's the purpose of the tribulation, is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. And if the church is Israel, then guess what? We have to go through the tribulation then. It's the, it's the time of Jacob's trouble. You know who Jacob is? a.k.a. Israel. I had no intention of going this far, but too late. As they say, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So we've got toothpaste all over the place now. God has a covenant with the Jew. It's an everlasting covenant. God is not through with the Jew. God has a plan for the Jewish people. The church is not Israel. Jacob is Israel. It's the time of Jacob's trouble, not the time of the church's trouble. We're not in trouble. <laughs> We're saved. What would be the purpose of having the church go through the seven-year tribulation? What does that accomplish? What purpose does that serve? It serves no purpose whatsoever. See, when the church age is complete, then the Lord takes His bride out of this world and shifts the entirety of His attention and focus to His people Israel, and the covenant He has with Israel. That's the whole purpose of the 70th week of Daniel. It's that final seven-year period of time that we refer to as the seven-year tribulation. And it marks the last seven years of human history as we know it. And at the end of the seven-year tribulation is the second coming of Christ. And by the way, <laughs> the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, if you notice when we were reading in 1 Thessalonians, says, we're going to come back with Him as His bride by His side, as one so aptly said it. At the rapture, Jesus comes 
for us at the second coming, Jesus comes with us. And it's separated by this period of seven years. So I suppose you could say that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the church. And you'll forgive me, but nobody's talking about it. It should be the number one thing that pastors should be talking about, because it can happen at any time. And people need to know about it, if for no other reason, so that they can have the hope that we have. Because you see, knowing that that trumpet can sound and the rapture can happen at any time, well, that's what gets me through the day. Because it could be today. And if it weren't for that, I don't know how I would make it through the day. I'm reluctant to say it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I, again, it's not hyperbole. I would literally go insane. I would go out of my mind if I did not have this hope that I'm going to be taken out of this world in this event known as the rapture of the church. And I'll tell you, as things get harder and harder, and they're getting harder and harder, and the world is waxing more and more evil, and the world is waxing more and more evil, the rapture of the church and the nearness and the closeness of the rapture of the church should be at the forefront of every Christian's mind and heart. Because when you know you have that to look forward to, it makes whatever you're going through easier to get through. And you can hold on and hang on. Keep your hands to the plow, your eyes on the prize, your mind stayed on Him. Well, this brings me to the aforementioned question of just how close are we really? <laughs> You ready for the answer? I think you already know the answer. It is closer than any of us can possibly even begin to imagine. Oh, come on, Pastor. You say that every week. I know. And I'm going to keep saying it every week. You know why? Because it is. What do you mean? We are so close. We are so close to the rapture of the church. And I hope whatever trial you're going through, whatever difficulty you're in, whatever set of circumstances that you're experiencing, that knowing this sound doctrine and truth and having this hope will strengthen you in the Lord. Knowing that it's so close. How do you know it's so close? Well, <laughs> thankfully, the Bible, imagine the Bible, is replete with numerous and even voluminous prophecies that paint this picture on the canvas of what the world will look like at the time of the end. Let me say it like this. God wants us to know. He does not want us to be ignorant. He wants us to know so that we're not caught unaware caught off guard, even as Paul would write. I don't even need to write to you. Peter would echo the same thing. We're going to talk a little bit about this in second service. I don't really need to write to you about this. 
Because for you, it's not going to be as a thief in the night. Why? Because you're expecting it. You're watching for it. It will not catch you off guard. You're awake, you're sober, you're alert, you're ready. God wants us to be ready. He wants us to be informed. He does not want us to be ignorant concerning Bible prophecy and the time of the end. And it is the time of the end. One need look no further than to what's happening in the world today and connect those prophetic dots. You don't have to be super intelligent. I mean, mercy, look at your pastor, for crying out loud. Just connect the dots. I want to share three prophecies with you, if you'll kindly allow me to. But uh, let's go ahead <laughs> and end the whatever we're on live stream. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if we're even on that anymore. It's getting so bad. My goodness, we thir Thursday night in Jeremiah chapter 8, I, I mentioned something about YouTube. Are we done now on YouTube, so I can say this? Okay. I mentioned something on YouTube. Oh my goodness, they, they privatized the video so you couldn't see it. Yeah, I didn't even talk about the injection and all of that. I just always, anyway, just, never mind, whatever. I want to th share with you these prophecies, and I I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to help you connect those prophetic dots. But I want to, there are so many, I want to share with you just two, just two of many, two reasons as to why it is without a doubt, without a doubt, that we today are on the cusp of the seven-year tribulation, and as such, the pre-tribulation rapture just two. The first one, all the nations on earth are in lockstep. I'm using that wording for a reason. I think some of you know why. I want you to think about this. Never before in human history has every nation on earth been united as they are now which is exactly what we're told will happen at the time of the end. I mean, this alone, standalone, should seal the deal. It's actually even more specific than all the nations on earth being in lockstep, such that Bible prophecy tells us it's due to being deceived. Now, at the core, if you peel back all of the layers, look behind the curtain, if you prefer, as they say, what you'll find in a word is COVID. COVID. That is at the core of all of this. COVID has brought together every nation on the earth and they are all together in lockstep. Never happened before in human history. Never happened before, the likes of which we've never seen, nor will we ever see again. This is the number one reason why I believe the rapture can happen at any time, just this alone. Okay, let me just catch my breath here real quick. Three prophecies in Scripture, all of which speak to deception, delusion, and I'll add destruction at the time of the end. 
Let's start with Daniel chapter 8, beginning in verse 23. At the end of their rule, when the transgressions have reached their full measure, a king of bold countenance shall arise, skilled in intrigue. He shall grow strong in power, shall cause fearful destruction, and shall succeed in what he does. He shall destroy the powerful and the people of the holy ones. By his cunning he shall make deceit prosper under his hand, and in his own mind he shall be great. Without warning he shall destroy many, and shall even rise up against the prince of princes, speaking of Jesus, but he shall be broken, and not by human hands. In other words, nice try. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back, speaking of the restrainer, will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth, can't wait, and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one, verse 9, will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie, and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth, and so be saved. For this reason, and this is hard for some people to wrap their minds around, God sends them a powerful delusion, so that they will believe the lie, and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. Maybe I should expound just briefly on this. Don't think for a second that this is unjust on God's part. God Himself sends this powerful delusion, so that they believe the lie. Well, that doesn't sound fair. Well, wait a minute. They've already made their choice. Their fate is already sealed. Their heart is already hardened. And their mind is already made up. And God's never going to force Himself on anyone. He's going to give them over. Boy, I tell you, 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 you want to weep through a Bible reading and a Bible study? You can do that with Romans chapter 1. It's so heartbreaking. It's like God has to just give them over, because they've already rejected God. They've already refused the Lord. They've already made up their mind. They're not just wicked, they actually delight in their wickedness. We saw this in Jeremiah last week. The evil that they were doing, they were actually boasting about it. They were boasting about, they, they were posting the evil on social media, if that brings it more into modern day terms. They were so proud of the evil and the wickedness that they were doing, they were boasting about it delighting in it, the Apostle Paul says. And God's like, okay, I, I'm not going to force you. You've made your choice. You've rejected me. So here you go. Again, I, you'll forgive the reference, repeated reference to Jeremiah, but it's so apropos. I mean, the prophetic parallels are chilling. 
and stunning with what Judah was doing then and with what the world is like now. The wickedness, the evil. But God says to Jeremiah, two times by the way, this is hard too, stop praying for them. I'm not going to listen to the prayers. Stop praying, Jeremiah. I'm not going to listen. Don't, don't waste your breath. Wait, you, you mean stop praying? God's saying to stop praying? Yeah. Why? Because they've already made up their minds. They've already rejected me. They're serving these other gods, the Baals. They're offering incense to these other gods. And God tells Jeremiah to proclaim. He's speaking this and prophesying this on the streets there in Jerusalem. We just got done chapter 7 through 10, the uh, temple messages as they're called, where he's there at the entrance to the gate of the temple in Jerusalem, and he's prophesying and proclaiming doom and gloom and judgment is coming. Repent. And they wouldn't repent. In fact, they were so angry and infuriated by Jeremiah preaching doom and gloom and that judgment was coming, put a hit out on them. I, I'm sorry to say it like that. They, they basically plot to kill him, to silence him, to stop him. They don't want to hear it. And God tells Jeremiah, you know, uh, let them go to their gods that they worship, which are no gods at all. And don't pray for them, because they've already sealed their faith. They've already made up their mind. That's the condition that the world is going to be in at the time of the end. Listen, can I just ask you this question? Did I just describe the world today? Well, there's a reason why that's a description of the world today, because that's the world today. It's exactly like we're told it would be. I'm personally of the belief that this powerful delusion is already, as Paul would write, that lawlessness is already at work. It's already happening. I, I, I'm just baffled, I'm flabbergasted really, at how deceived people are how blind people are. I suppose in some way this helps explain it. They've rejected Jesus, the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And when you reject the truth, you open yourself up to the lie, the father of lies. Well, this third one is the I'm going to call it the granddaddy of them all in Revelation 18.23. We've talked about this at length in prior updates. This is a prophecy during the tribulation of the fall of Babylon. And John is told to write, the light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. All the nations were in lockstep. All the, all the nations, not 95 percent or 97 percent, no, you know what all is in the original? I know this is deeply profound, but it's, it means all. All the nations were deceived. What were they deceived by? Oh, your sorcery. What's that? Pharmakia, pharmaceutical, magic, poison, 
formulas, sorcery, pharmakia. Wait, wait, wait. So you mean to tell me that there's a prophecy in the Bible, I just read it, that foretells of a time yet future when all the nations on the earth will have been deceived by some pharmaceutical something. No, I'm not saying that. God's Word says that. I'm not trying to be cute or coy. That's the prophecy. So again, I just ask you this question. Is this what's happening right now? Is it? Here's a second one, and it ties in with the first. Not only are all of the nations on earth in lockstep, but all of the global economies are going digital. Here again, never before in human history have we ever seen anything like this. And you know, this is a, it's sad. It's sad when the, the secular economist is sounding the alarm that the pastor should be sounding about what's coming. Do you know, these are, we would refer to them as the, the financial experts, the world's economists. They're all saying the same thing. What are they saying? Uh, currency as we know it, gone. Everything's going to go digital. Do you understand why? because all of the world's economies are on the verge of total collapse, and by design. Um, COVID, 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 if I can say it like this, was used as the explosives in this controlled demolition to bring down the current global economy in order to usher in a digital, cashless economy. In fact, in some places right now, uh, I used to joke about it. I don't joke about it anymore. It's not that funny, actually. But I used to say, hey, do you still accept cash here? Because <laughs> nobody uses cash. Everybody just you know, here's the card. And I don't say it anymore, because it's not funny anymore. Because there are places now that actually, no, we do not accept cash. And in fact, how about this one? We don't even accept the cards anymore. <laughs> what? Well, how am I going to pay for this? Oh, uh, you, you pay using this digital system that we scan, that's how you're going to pay. Wait a minute, isn't that in the Bible? Yes, it is. It sounds a lot to me like Revelation 13. That's because it is. Let me just read verses 15 through 18, Revelation 13. You're familiar with this, but I want to point out a couple things here. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now, this requires a certain technology to be in place, and said technology is in place. He causes all, verse 16, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that 
no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Okay couple things I want to point out. First of all, in order to have an image be able to speak, sounds like some pretty advanced technology. But that advanced technology is not 10 years out. It's here now. It's here now. Also, this um, not being able to buy or sell, except you have some sort of indicator or marker or mark or something that has the name of the beast or the number of his name. But if you don't have whatever this is, you cannot buy whatever you are trying to buy or sell whatever you're trying to sell. In other words, there would have to be, stay with me, I'm not trying to overcomplicate it. But it would stand to reason that there would have to be some sort of a digital system in place that was centralized, keyword, so that every transaction and every person could be traced in order for this to happen. So, and then also it, it, it sounds to me, and maybe I'm going to the other extreme here, I don't want to oversimplify it either, but it sounds to me like um, there's going to be a, a one world digital currency in order for something like this to happen. And that's exactly what it is. And it's already here, and it's already happening. It will be a, a centralized bank digital currency, CBDC. See, right now cryptocurrency is decentralized, but this will be centralized. So there will be this control center by which they, in control, centralized, will know if you're able to buy or sell. And get this, they can turn it off like that. So you get your account suspended for posting something that doesn't go with the narrative account suspended. Well, it's just my social media account. I'll start up another one. Okay, go ahead and try. Well, what if it's not just the social media account that's suspended? What if it's your bank account that's suspended? Well, what do you mean? Oh, you're not in compliance. You know, uh, the cars, let's talk about cars just for a, a moment. Um, they, they can shut the car down so you can't even drive it. You don't own it anyway, so they, they control that too. Because don't you know, didn't you hear that you're going to own nothing and be happy? They control everything. So you go into the store, that's if you can get there. <laughs> oh, by the way, they can also uh, control how far you can go from wherever you are, because they can track and surveil and know exactly where you're at. You know, the technology has been in place for uh, quite a while now. My son uh, taught me this a couple years ago. Um, they, they can actually, they know not only where you're at, like if you're at home, they know what room you're in in the home. 
have a nice afternoon. <laughs> These things, yeah. We, they're on us. Well, they're going to, not us. <laughs> but instead of being on someone, they will be in someone. So they can, they can know exactly where you're at, what you're doing, what you're buying, what you're selling, where you're going. And if you're not in compliance, then they can just suspend your account, so you can't do anything. Okay. I realize I'm painting this prophetic canvas with a broad brush when I say this, but I'll say it nonetheless. Everything I've just shared is already happening. It's already beginning to come to pass. I'm not talking about something that's even five years out or ten years out. I'm talking about something that's already in place now. Well, can you expound? Sure. There's going to be this pharmaceutical final solution, according to the prophecy in Revelation 18.23. And it's going to be vis-a-vis -vis this satanic deception that will ultimately become the mark of the beast. Now hang in there with me. The injection currently is not the mark of the beast. We get this question too often, I'm sad to say. I took the injection, did I lose my salvation? Absolutely not. If you're born again, you cannot be unborn again. Oh, you're one of those, once saved, always saved. Wait just a second here. Bear, bear with me. Um, if I can lose my salvation, then that means that I have to do something to keep it. That sounds like works, right? That I have to earn it? I thought I was saved by grace through faith that it was not of works, that it was the gift of God, lest any man should boast. I have three children living. They were all born. They can't be unborn. Sometimes you, especially during the teenage years, you, never mind. But um, you get the point. Once you're born, you're born. You can't be unborn. Once you're saved, you're saved. You can't be unsaved. Oh, wait a minute. What about, and you start listing all of those scriptures. Well, listen, if somebody who says or professes to have been saved but it's not really saved. That doesn't mean they lost their salvation. You can't lose something you never had. If you're born again, you're born again. You're saved. It's finished. Can you imagine if Jesus would have said, it is finished, however, or if, or it depends. No, it is finished, period. It's the finished work on the cross. There's nothing we do. He has done it. It's done. Finito. Chalas, that's the Arabic word. You got to love Arabic. You spit on everybody again when you say anything in Arabic. Okay, so 
let's see if we can kind of wrap this up and, and bring this in for a close. So the whole premise of your update today, Pastor, is that the rapture is imminent. It can happen at any time. And if I'm born again, uh, this should be very encouraging to me, because I have that hope. And it's not much longer, if it's as close as you believe it is. And I think that's even unfair to me. It's not as close as I believe it is. It's as close as the Bible describes it is. So if it is that close, by virtue of the fact that everything we're told that will happen in the seven-year tribulation is already happening prior to the seven-year tribulation, then that's kind of a game-changer. Yes, it is. But it goes both ways. And I want to reiterate this. Either this update today will be encouraging to you, or terrifying for you, depending on you and the person of Jesus Christ. So in other words, if what I shared today gives you hope and, and encourages you to hold on, He's coming, praise the Lord. But if what I shared today is terrifying to you, well, then that's a pretty good indication of where you're at concerning salvation found in the person of Jesus Christ. See, we as believers can look up when we see these things begin to come to pass, because we know that our redemption draws nigh. But for non-believers, I mean, I, I don't want to sound sensational. It, it, it is a warning. It could be a final warning. That's how close we are. And so I'm going to have to give an account one day. <laughs> And I want to hear the Lord say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Because I, I didn't cower from, or falter, or cave in knowing that, hey, people don't want to hear about this. No, I have to speak the truth. And I have to preach the Word. And the Apostle Paul would say it like this, woe unto me, a curse be upon me if I don't preach the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus Christ came, He was crucified, He was buried, and He rose again on the third day, and He's coming back again one day soon and very soon. That's the good news. That's the gospel. It means good news. Your debt has been paid. You're free to go. This is why we do the ABCs of salvation. It's just a, please again, don't make a formula out of this. It's just a simple childlike explanation of salvation. It's very simple. The A is for admit or acknowledge that you're a sinner. Because until you acknowledge that you've sinned, you're not really interested in the Savior. Romans 3.10 says there is no one righteous, not even one. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now there's a penalty, and that's the bad news, and that's Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. It's the death penalty. All of sin. We all have been sentenced to death, because we've all broken God's law. We've all fell short of His perfect standard of righteousness. 
And we're all guilty as charged and sentenced to death. But here's the good news. The gift of God, gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The B is for believe, and actually it's as simple as believe. <laughs> for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe would not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And the C, lastly, is what comes as a result, an expression of the believing in and putting your trust in Jesus. You call upon Him. This is Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And Romans 10, 13, lastly, it says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He will never turn you away. You call on Him, believe in Him, put your trust in Him, you will be saved. It's that simple. I implore you today, if you're in this church or watching online, and you've never put your trust in Jesus, I don't know how else to say this. But today's the day of salvation. Do not put it off. Even if, let's just say, if the rapture is not as soon as we believe it is, and the Bible says it is, tomorrow's not guaranteed. You don't know. In fact, we're going to see that in James when we get to chapter uh, 5, I think it is, where James says, hey, be careful, you guys. Don't say, hey, I'm going to go into such and such a city and do business there and buy and sell. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, you don't know. Your, your life is but a mist, a vapor. Here's what you should say, Lord willing. Why? Because tomorrow's not guaranteed. You know, I want, to, I want to share this. I haven't shared it in a while, and then we'll end with this, uh, today's But God testimony. So many years ago, I was uh, actually quite young in the Lord. It's quite young, actually. <laughs> um, and I uh, served at this uh, uh, boys' home for uh, foster kids. And uh, I uh, had this uh, one, he was so cool, he was such a cool kid, 13-year-old boy. Just this black friend of mine. He was so cool. And I took a liking to him. And on this one particular day, I'm at the home, and I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to share the gospel with him and ask him to make the most important decision of his life for eternal life. And I, I fumbled and bumbled, and I mean, I botched it so bad. You know what I love about the Holy Spirit? He makes up for all the boo-boos and the fumbles and the bumbles. And before the words leave your mouth, He's already fine-tuning it to the heart of the person you're sharing with. I mean, and He, he got saved that day, it, despite me. I mean, it was like, you know, when, when he said, yeah, I, 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 when he said yes, I'm like, what do I do now? So <laughs> I just gave it to the Holy Spirit. We prayed, and with tears streaming down his face, he 
He put his trust in Jesus and was saved. Well, that week I got a call from a friend of mine, told me that he drowned on a field trip that they were on. And I thought to myself, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I don't want to see him again. Can't wait. So glad he made that decision that day. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's you watching today. I implore you, please, please. Well, let's uh, close with today's But God testimony. It comes from Kimberly Giroux. Hope I'm pronouncing your name right. <laughs> she writes, Hello, Pastor Judy. I wanted to share my But God testimony with you. This weekend I had an unexpected ER visit. A few weeks ago I had received an iron infusion, which I have done many times for my anemia. But this time I seemed to be having complications. I just was not feeling right, and my chest wall was getting extremely tight and harder to breathe, so much so that I thought it was time to go to the ER. Upon talking to the doctor, I found out I had developed a condition called hypophosphatemia. <laughs> that word. This is a condition where phosphate is very low. The doctor said my number was at 0.6, which is critical and life-threatening. The ER specialist was baffled how I walked in on my own strength, because most people are almost in a coma state and wind up in ICU. But God was able to walk me into the ER under my own strength. I was needing to be admitted, and my husband and myself were praying to the Lord that they please not ask about the COVID-19 vaccine, and that it would be required. As I was getting checked in, the nurse helping me asked me the question, if I had been vaccinated. I told her I had not. And she looked at me and said, Neither have I, so don't worry about it. <laughs> that evening I was laying in my hospital bed, and I have never missed a prophecy update, so I was watching your message. It's always darkest before the dawn. And you repeated three times, quoting from Jesus' words, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Felt like the Lord gave me this message right at the right time. With the infusion of phosphate and my numbers coming up enough, I could be sent home for at-home care. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for looking over me and never leaving me. His banner over me is love. Thank you, Jesus. Good come on up. Why don't you go ahead and stand. We'll close in prayer. Kapono will close us in song. Lord, we long for that trumpet to sound. It's our only hope, Jesus. You're our only hope, Jesus. Our hope is not in this world. There's nothing here anymore. And whatever we were holding on to or hoping in is gone now. And thank you that it is, because now we turn to you, our eyes upon you, watching for you, as you promised you would, that you would come again. when you told the disciples that you had to go, and that when you left that you would be preparing this place for us in your Father's house, a bridal chamber, and that if it were not so, 
you would not have told us this and promised us this, that you would go and prepare this place, and that you would come back and take us to that place you prepared for us, <laughs> that where you are, there we would be also. And you said this to them because their hearts were greatly troubled. Lord, I know that there are those who are hearing me now, here today, or watching, whose hearts are greatly troubled. Perhaps those who are full of fear, full of anxiety, and it's giving way to despair. Oh, Jesus, please. As only you can, Jesus. Strengthen and encourage. Renew that hope. Remind us of what we're so prone to forget, that this world is not our home. That you're coming to take us home. And Lord, thank You that it's so close. We are so ready. Thank You, Jesus. In Jesus' name, Amen. Here we see that God, You're moving. A time of jubilee is coming. When young and old will turn to Jesus Fling wide you heavenly gates Prepare the way for the risen Lord And open up the doors Upon injustice and open up the doors and let the music play, let the streets resound with singing songs that bring your hope, songs that. upon injustice and dancers who dance upon injustice dancers who dance upon injustice be encouraged today by his word in Jesus name